Good morning. My name is Chris Peterson, and as one of the elders, I have the privilege of bringing you God's Word this morning. The title of the message is a little different than what you're seeing. Um, it's not the sloth. It's look and learn the way of diligence versus sloth. Um, so please turn in Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, which will be our text this morning. In these pages of Scripture, we will see the main thrust of Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We will see how this applies uh, to our passage this morning. Proverbs 1-7 reminds us that biblical instruction is the foundation from which we speak to one another about pursuing holiness and fighting sin and temptation. The source of this instruction is God, the true knowledge of Him, His purposes, and His ways. But the means of this instruction is usually the people God has put in our lives to love us and to share His wisdom with us. In our passage, we will look and learn from the ant, who is an example of diligence, and we will see and be warned from the sluggard who is an example of slothfulness. Thinking of this reminds me of my childhood. My father was born on a farm in Georgia in 1937. His mother worked at a reform school, and so she she wasn't around. So his grandparents, Granny and Papa, they raised him and my dad's twin brother. Well, Papa died when they were about seven years old, so... Basically, Granny and a man named Buck, who was an African-American man who lived on the farm and worked for Granny. So they were taught and shown diligence by these two. Aside from nearly burning down the woods on one occasion and firing a shotgun through the ceiling in another. My dad told me those stories a few years ago. Uh, My dad and his brother repeated what they observed. His grandmother was an extraordinary woman who managed and operated the farm with Buck. They raised pigs, chickens, cows, and grew many different crops, which they sold for a profit. Granny was always working and shrewdly managing the business of the farm. My dad made a statement to me a while back about Buck. He said that Buck knew more about farming than any man he ever knew. And my dad admired and looked up to him like a father. Fast forward to my childhood, and I remember my dad as an extremely hard worker. He worked at the same company for over 30 years. He was never late, and he rarely missed. And he also worked in the television ministry at his church for over 20 years. So he was a hard worker. I tell you this story to show that my dad observed hard and diligent work by what he saw, and he learned to live that way as an adult. We will see the same example Solomon gives regarding the ant. Just as we will learn diligence from the ant, we will also be warned against slothfulness from the sluggard. We get a good picture of the sluggard in Proverbs 24, 30 through 32. It reads... 
I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. What if my dad, his granny, and Buck would have neglected their farm? It would have been in a similar state as the sluggards. It is worth noting that the sluggard had land, and he had a vineyard. He simply chose not to work, cultivate, and reap a harvest from it. Because as Solomon puts it, he is a man lacking sense. Or as other translations read, he is a man void of understanding. What happened as a result? Our text this morning will reveal what happens if wisdom is not gained and the warnings are not heeded. Our main idea this morning is the wise will learn how we can glorify God in our work in two ways. Observing the diligent and heeding the warnings of the sluggard. Throughout Scripture, we learn lessons by men and women who either did something we should imitate or what we should avoid. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Conversely, we see the prodigal son who asked for his inheritance and squandered his state with loose living in Luke 15. Now let's look in our Bibles at Proverbs 6. And please turn there if you're not already there. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat uh, in front of you. It reads, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Which, having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin our study of this passage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being all wise. Thank you that you give wisdom freely to all that would ask. Thank you for giving us examples for us to follow in your word. As we see in our passage this morning regarding wisdom, as we are to observe and be wise. I'm thankful that your word goes out and it does not return void without accomplishing what you desire and without succeeding in the matter for which you sent it. Lord, I need your help this morning as I am incapable of doing this on my own. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So in these verses, Solomon turns his attention to the subject of laziness. 
The terms translated here as sluggard or slacker imply something more than being unmotivated. It also includes irresponsibility and laziness. Such persons put themselves at risk of ruin. Even if they can get by in the present, a lack of preparation means that they will not survive a crisis. In contrast, Solomon suggests the example of the ant, a creature who works diligently and is therefore able to endure harder times. Our first point this morning is, and it's going to be a little bit more than what you have, our first point is the wise will observe the way the diligent work. Diligence is defined as steady, earnest, and energetic effort, devoted and painstaking work, and application to accomplish a task. The wise will observe the way the diligent work. And this is in verses 6 through 8. Solomon tells us repeatedly to acquire wisdom. Acquiring here will be in the form of observation. We will see this diligence in the form of three steps to diligence. The first step is diligent workers look and learn. Wisdom is gain from observing the ant's ways. Here Solomon commands, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. He knows that there is wisdom in the way she works. He is in essence saying, look and learn. For example, let's take a look at the ant. Without a blueprint or a leader, thousands of ants moving specks of dirt create a complex Sponge-like structure with parallel levels connected by a network of tunnels. Some ant species even build living structures out of their own bodies. They assemble themselves into bridges that smooth their path for foraging, and other ants cluster into makeshift rafts to avoid floods. Solomon, the wise teacher, recommends a tiny creature as a positive example, the ant. This is meant to contrast the behavior of what he calls a sluggard, also translated slacker, which we learned a few minutes ago. This is from a Hebrew term used only in the book of Proverbs, and which implies both laziness and irresponsibility. Rather than being the type of person easily dismissed as a ne'er-do-well, it's better to follow the example of the hardworking ant. Not only does a diligent worker look and learn how to glorify God in their work, but he takes initiative. Step two, diligent workers take initiative. A diligent worker doesn't need to be asked to work, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares for food in the summer. Verse 7 through 8a. So if you would please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, and we'll look at 6 through 7.
It reads, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. One commentator says, the faithful believer does not simply do the minimum his job requires, much less work only when his supervisor or other workers are watching, that is, by way of eye service. He does not need to be checked up on because he always does his work to the best of his ability, whether or not anyone is around. We must be like the slave in Matthew 24, 46, who is blessed because he is found working when his master comes home. Also, in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Um, It reads, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. When we consider who we ultimately work for, it will motivate us to give it our all. To work for Christ is the privilege of every believer who has been purchased at such a cost. What is stopping you from giving everything to the one who gave everything for you? Laziness, idleness, slothfulness. These are sinful practices and they do not bring glory to God in our work. Proverbs 10.5 also shows us the importance of working hard to prepare for the future. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Whether it is serving in the church or serving your brother, do it as unto the Lord without being told or asked to. Take the initiative and begin working for Christ today. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. Not only does a diligent worker who seeks to glorify God in his work look and learn, take initiative, but he also reaps a harvest. The third step in under point one is that diligent workers reap a harvest and gathers her provision in the harvest. Verse 8b. Remember Colossians 3.24? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ who you serve. In the book of Genesis, Joseph is a great example of someone who believed in preparing for the future and acted upon that belief. In a dream, the Pharaoh saw seven good cows arise from the Nile that were followed by seven poor, thin, ugly cows. The seven thin cows ate the seven plump cows. 
He also saw seven full ears of grain grow on one stalk, followed by stalk, not stock, followed by seven empty, blighted ears that ate them. God, through his servant Joseph, interpreted the dream as meaning Egypt's agriculture would be extremely productive for seven years, followed by seven years of famine. He advised Pharaoh to store one-fifth of the abundant produce as reserve for the seven years of famine. Pharaoh believed the Spirit of God had given Joseph such wisdom, and he appointed Joseph the second in command over all of Egypt. That's in Genesis 41. Have you ever planted a garden? When I was little, my dad planted a huge garden. Not, I'm sure you're probably not surprised in light of my opening story. Um, we lived in central Florida, which due to being a peninsula, sounded by, or surrounded by three sides by water and is extremely fertile. He asked my brother and I to weed the garden and to keep up the garden while the plants were growing. He also asked us to pick okra. Have you ever picked okra? That's the worst job in the garden. They are prickly. They're vicious. They're mean. I'll stop there. Uh, I didn't even like okra. So that made it worse. But when the harvest time came, we feasted like kings. And there was no complaining. And I even learned to love okra. Well, I won't say love, but like. I eat it, I eat it now. But I still have nightmares when I, when I think of that. Um, but we were rewarded for our hard work. And I learned a huge lesson that year. Diligent workers reap a harvest. Is there any area of your life where there is a harvest to be reaped? It might be in the area of discipleship. Have you been pouring into someone so that they will in turn pour into someone else? 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things which you have learned and heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Are you passing on the wisdom gained from diligent labor? We've just seen how the wise will observe the way that the diligent work by looking at three steps to diligence. Diligent workers look and learn. They take initiative. And they reap a harvest. That brings us to our second main point. Folly will ignore the warning of the sluggard. And you hear the word warning, you should, you should think of being warned. Something serious is about to happen. Verses 9 through 11. Here we see three warnings against idleness from the sluggard. The first warning is slothfulness is idleness. How long will you sleep? How long will you lie down, O sluggard, when you arise from your sleep? We do, need a certain, we do need a certain amount of sleep. 
But too much can have a negative effect and distract us from being productive. Proverbs 19.15 says, Laziness cast into a deep sleep and on idle men, and an idle man will suffer hunger. Have you ever overslept or taken a long nap? Or woken up angry at yourself for being lazy? Thinking about all the things you could have done while you were asleep. As a believer in Christ, are you using your gifts for his glory? Or are you being idle like the sluggard? And as we imitate Paul, like we looked at earlier, consider what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. Does that sound like an idle person? Or in Proverbs 20, 13, we see the warning to do not love sleep or you will become poor. In J.C. Ryle's book, Thoughts for Young Men, he is talking on Proverbs 27, 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Ryle writes, I will worry about serious things tomorrow, said an unsaved person, to one who warned him of coming danger, but his tomorrow never came. Tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's. Satan does not care how spiritual your intentions are or how holy your resolutions. If only they are determined to be, determined to be done tomorrow, Oh, give no place to the devil in this matter. When death comes, it will be vain to talk of tomorrow. You must go at once. Heed the warning here in verse 9. Do not be idle. What can you do this very day to serve the Lord? Not tomorrow, just as we heard From Ryle's warning, how dangerous that is. It's also important to point out that the Bible does not condemn those who would work if they could, but are truly not able. Nor does the Bible say it's a sin to be poor. There are many people who who work hard yet still have a hard time making ends meet. However, it is a sin to be lazy And refuse to work without a valid reason. The Bible champions the cause of those who are poor through no fault of their own. Psalm 41.1 calls blessed the person who considers the poor. Proverbs 28.27 promises, He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. We saw in the first warning that slothfulness is idleness. And now we see that the slothful man will make excuses to remain lazy. Our second warning, the slothful man will make excuses to remain lazy. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. How many of us had said, I just need 10 more minutes of sleep. Or kept pounding that snooze button over and over again. I did that this morning, actually. Um, But as in verse 8, we can see we can work ahead to prepare for a crisis 
But we can't go back and recover lost opportunity. The picture here in verse 10 is one of irresponsibility. Tolerating this behavior in oneself could easily turn into a habit which will be hard to break, which will in turn lead to the devastating results we're getting ready to see in verse 11. Spurgeon writes in regard to the sluggard in Proverbs 24. You knock at his door when it's almost evening, and then he cries, It is of no use to get up now, for the day is almost over. You remind him of his overgrown field and weedy vineyard, and he answers, Yes, I must get up, I know. He shakes himself and says, I do not think it will matter much if I wait till the clock strikes. I will rest another minute or two. He is glued to his bed, dead while he liveth, Buried in his laziness. If he could sleep forever, he would. But he cannot. For judgment day will rouse him. And in Matthew 26, 45, we see the disciples sleeping. While they were supposed to be watching and praying. While Jesus was agonizing in prayer. And anticipating his crucifixion. Learn from this warning. And come to your senses. Where in your life can you cease to be idle and replace it with diligence and work? Write it down and make that change today. The last and most severe warning not to be ignored is that slothfulness will end in ruin. Verse 11 says, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Turn to Proverbs 24, 33 through 34, as we pick up here again from being in this chapter earlier. You'll recognize these words. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. Sound familiar? Here Solomon repeats verbatim the warning he used in chapter 6. If you haven't been paying attention... Or you shrugged off the first and second warnings. Take heed to this final one. Or you too will come to ruin. Another commentator wrote. All that the sluggard has and desires to have is taken by others. The ant does not allow this. For she is diligently storing and protecting her supply. One may wonder how the sluggard has everything stolen. And, that the, and yet the ant avoids the same plight. Poverty, poverty does not come because someone stole the goods of the sluggard. Poverty comes upon the sluggard as if someone had stolen his goods. The sluggard will slowly begin to lose all he has as if a robber were secretly taking his possessions. 
The day will arrive when the sluggard finally realizes that all he had has vanished. And he will feel as if armed men came and destroyed him. The gospel of Jesus Christ transforms men from parasites to producers. From those who take from others to those who give sacrificially to meet the needs of the helpless. The gospel turns a man's attention from himself to others. The way to cure a sluggard is to make him a saint. Matthew Henry on Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 on these verses. Diligence in business is every man's wisdom and duty. Not so much that he may attain worldly wealth as that he may not be a burden to others or a scandal to the church. The ants are more diligent than slothful men. Proverbs reminds us that the pursuit of wisdom and the avoidance of foolishness is necessary. But also we know is impossible in our own strength. We are not capable of reversing this on our own. We need Jesus Christ. Jude 23 and 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forever. Amen. Surrender to him today and he will make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. Everything we do is looking to Christ as an example and working for Christ in our effort. We look to Christ who is a perfect example of perfect Diligence. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. You can turn there. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also is in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We are diligent for Christ and work to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some as apostles, 
and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. After seeing an example of diligence this morning, will we still be like the sluggard and not look and learn? We've been, known, we've been shown everything we need to live godly lives in God's word. But do we learn from this? Not always. We still sin. We make the wrong choice. Despite being shown the right way. So before we are too hard on the sluggard, let us examine our own hearts and see if there's any nettles and thistles as in the sluggard's field. Then, as it says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. And know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. If you have not trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior and desire to come to him in repentance and faith, be diligent and come down front after the service and talk with an elder. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your perfect word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as a division of both soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I thank you that you demonstrated your love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we have looked at your word this morning, you have shown us that as believers we are to be diligent like the, ser the servant that was found working when the master came home. Although we desire to be diligent, we need your help. Please help us be like the ant, who as we saw is a great example of diligence. And not the sluggard who slothfully wasted what you prepared for him to do. Please give us wisdom and help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.